Thank you for tuning in to Z Code Sports Betting Podcast. Let the show begin. Hey, Butcher. Welcome back to the Zico Podcast. Rumor has it you're one of the most active members of the Zico community in 2020. We appreciate all the work that you've put in. Despite the year being quite dire, what are the most positive aspects you can take out of it? Yeah, for me, man, I've had a lot worse years than this. So uh, <laughs> I ain't going to, I mean, I have, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I kind of, one, one thing that kind of sucked about it was uh, I didn't really get, because I had went back to college and graduated and we didn't have a graduation or nothing like that, you know, and they basically just sent my diploma in the mail. But I mean, other than that, I can't complain, man. It's been a pretty decent year. I've done real well. So with the, with sports betting this year, having a really great year in the NFL. So, I mean, I mean, it's been a pretty decent year for me. It kind of, it kind of sucked when uh, sports went out for those, I don't know, I guess few months there, but other than that, man, I'd had more, I've had more time to stay at home and concentrate on uh, betting on sports <laughs> or investing in sports. So that's the positive, positive thing. Well, congratulations on completion. Uh, I I just I, when I when I got out of uh, federal prison and I decided I was gonna show my son that uh, instead of me telling him he has to go to school, I was gonna beat him to it, finish college. We both graduated. He graduated high school and I graduated college same time. So he's eighteen now and he's about to he's about to go to college now because I said, hey, I showed you. I didn't tell you. Now you show me. <laughs> so, you know, but yeah, so, I mean, like I said, I've had way worse years than this, man. So I, I can't complain, man. So when we first did our recording a while back, you struck me as a person who definitely has a lot of stories to tell. There is definitely a possibility that someone could write a book about you. Yeah, I, I, I definitely got some. My stories are stranger than fiction. I got to worry about telling some of my stories because they're going to be like, no way. You know, it's, but I've led, a, I've led a really crazy life. It's been a hell of a ride, I'll tell you that. The, the stranger, the better, I suppose. There, I got so many, man. I mean, but just through the years of my life, but there's been some, there's been a couple of them that were pretty, pretty memorable, I guess, or memorable. Your life in general revolves around gambling quite a lot, and you put a lot of emphasis on that. I was wondering if you had any thought about what your life would be if you were to take a completely different route in life and not do gambling. Oh man, which which route would I went if it wasn't for that? Mm. Um. Man, I don't even know. You know, I never even thought about that. I, I'll tell you what, man. Uh, growing up, I was a basketball player in high school and all that. I mean, I kind of, I would have loved to go and play college basketball, but I mean, I wasn't, I don't think I was good enough to hit a D1. I probably could have played a D2 and got like a partial scholarship or something like that. But I mean, ever since back then, I've been involved in this business. So I really didn't have much of, I never really thought about it, Jake. I guess I wanted to be a basketball player as a kid. <laughs> so maybe maybe that's what I, I don't know, man. 
I think moving forward, though, Jake, I'll tell you, I, I may get into some kind of counseling of uh, kids. I'd like to counsel some kids moving forward when, because a lot of the stuff that I was involved with is uh, over now. So maybe moving forward, I wouldn't mind counseling uh, kids around 14 or 15 when you can still catch them and uh, make an influence on them. You know, once they get to about 18, 19, they're kind of hard to work with. So maybe maybe counseling or something like that. I might have went into something like that. You know, I lived it, and I could talk to them. They'll they'll, they'll take my word for it. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, it's kind of. I think they'll listen to me. I hope they do. <laughs> when the time comes. All right. So to move the conversation a little bit, as you may imagine, as you know from experience, running a bookmaker requires a lot of people behind it. Generally, there's a lot of bodies responsible for different parts of the of the business but going way back it was just yourself and your grandpa who well generally your grandpa who set up the business and you were helping him out was it just the two of you guys or was there a lot more people behind it back then well there was more than just us you know i mean it, it was me and my grandfather but uh there was uh i mean there was plenty of guys helping us out you know what i mean it wasn't like just me and him, you know, we had a, we had a crew of guys that helped us out. So, cause we did four books, right. One in, one in kind of like every corner of the country. So you got, you know, California and then South Jersey and Philly, that area, and then up in the Midwest and then down South, you know, and uh, basically it was four sports books. So we had to have guys that could run sports books with us you know what i mean and obviously none of this was online so you guys must have trusted these guys well yeah yeah of course they, of course we trust them they trust us and i mean we all knew we all know each other you know what i mean it's not like someone i mean we all know we all knew each other for years so it wasn't like the trust was already there because we had relationships built with these guys because we all kind of grew up together you know what i mean it wasn't like the guys that I dealt with were guys I already trusted. Now, each one of those guys may have to deal with some guys that I don't know, but that's on them. You know, that's their responsibility. So when they're doing business with those guys, they know that they got to have everything right because I'm just talking to those guys. I'm not talking to those guys that they know out there or whatever. You know what I mean? So it's pretty organized that way. Never really had any problems like that, you know? As far as now, like, like now, you know, toward, towards the end, I mean, yeah, the internet now and the computers, you know, I mean, uh, you, you know, you just catch yourself an offshore uh, account, you know, in, in Costa Rica now, you know, where, and I've done that too, but, you know, you just go, you just pay those guys to use their, uh, their web, their, uh, I can't remember what, I can't remember the word I'm looking for their uh, interface, their websites, you know what I mean? And uh, you pay them, you know, to do that nowadays. And that was towards the end. But, yeah, in the beginning, shit, man, it was all hand-to-hand. Hand-to-hand and telephone. <laughs> so as far as the operations go, there had to be a lot of decision-making and what bets to take. And I wonder if you guys took all of the bets or you were rejecting some as well. I mean, we took any bet, really. But, you know, if, if we got a big bet 
you know, some somebody wants to bet like 20K or something like that, then, you know, I got to run that through my grandfather back then, you know. But, I mean, if they're taking a $5,000 bet, I don't care. If they're taking a $500 bet, I don't care. They, that's up to them. They know they're responsible. But what, when you get a guy who wants to bet like 20K on a game, you got to make some phone calls because I don't know who this guy is. Or I may know a little bit about him, but I want to make sure that. So we, I just, that's when I would call my grandfather to make sure he was good with it, you know. But other than that, yeah, you don't want to be a book that's scared to take bets. I mean, you ain't going to be in business very long. That's for sure. <laughs> you were dealing with a lot of individuals at the time. What sort of knowledge did you have to have on these guys before you took bets from them? It's just that, you know, you just, you know, when it's, when it's that much money, you got to kind of like, I'll, I'll tell you, you know what, I'll tell you a story. Here's a story right here. This is a perfect example of why you should just make sure you call up stairs and see if everything's good with the bet. Because I had a, I, ta I had taken a bet from this lawyer who I knew and I know he's good. You know, I know he's got money and I had, he hit me one week for like, I think, uh, 15k right in one week he hit me for like 15k i paid him the next week this degenerate goes down 18k the very next week i'm like this dude right here i'm already thinking to myself all right this guy's got some serious problems in his life because he's betting like a he's been like a bum i mean he's been like a he's been like a degenerate like he has a drug problem or something i don't know but and uh Man, he tried to skate on us. I was like, oh, my God, dude. You know, I just paid. And that really pisses me off. You know, you, you pay guy 15K. And the next week, he skates on you. I mean, I, I could be. I remember how I was so fucking pissed. I was livid, right? But we just had to calm down. And I had to try to find him, you know, which wasn't that hard. because. So I find out the apartment complex he works in. I mean, he lives in nice spot right and i'm and i go in there i go into that parking lot one day and i see him making sure he lives there and he's going in and out of his house and all that you know just chilling watching him so it only took me like a week to find him but uh all of a sudden uh a lady from the office you know the the management office for apartments mm -hmm. she walks out and it was my manager to the very first apartments i lived in in san antonio so I knew her like it was just like a it was like a gift from God she I was like oh my god her name was uh, Landy and uh you know I told her exactly what happened she knows me I've known her for a long time so I told her exactly what happened what's happening and I was like man I really need this guy's key to get into his apartment and she's like ah, I don't know I said I'll give you five thousand dollars <laughs> I was like I'll give you 5k man just Anyways, long story short, I get the key. So I, I, know, I know his work schedule because he's a lawyer. He's in court by nine. He's usually off around six. So I got the key, and I'm sitting, in his, I'm sitting on his couch. When, when, when he walks in his apartment, I'm sitting on his damn couch, and he about shits his pants, man. I'll never forget the look on his face, you know. And I was like, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't violent or nothing. I, I, I told him. Look, man, whatever you do, I'm doing it with you. You're bringing your girlfriend home, guess what? 
I'm gonna be in the bed with you. Okay? I'm not going anywhere. You go to eat dinner, I'm gonna eat dinner. You go to your mom's, I'm your new best friend. You gotta introduce me to your mom. I said, I won't leave this. So basically, he ended up paying. <laughs> yeah, I ended up getting the money. So I kind of wonder how how did you manage to how did he end up paying? Because obviously it's um, yeah, he's exactly how do you end up paying i know well we went around you know we went around to different places he went to his mother's <laughs> he went to his <laughs> i mean i met his mother she's a nice lady you know but her, i feel sorry for her because of her son geez but he's a lawyer see on the outside he's looking like you know he's a successful person right and it's like sometimes success can be the greatest liar because the dude's a total degenerate i mean in the rest of his life you know but so you know so i mean he He had a couple bank accounts and we ended up getting it. We ended up working it out to where everything it was I was satisfied with what I received. You know what I mean? Let's put it that way. So it worked out and he did and then he he had uh he's a he was a decent lawyer, so he helped, you know, he helped a couple of my friends out that had a couple court cases. You know what I mean? So we kind of worked it out that way. I mean, I got a bunch of the money back and then his services as well you know and so that was worth it to to me and everybody was cool with that so i think i got about i can't remember how much i think he gave me i think he gave me like 12k and then he uh i i used them i had him uh my friends use him as a lawyer for a couple times which can be pretty expensive you know that's usually about ten thousand, and uh that's how that worked you know So we got our money's worth at least. Over like over the, our money's worth. Over our money's worth in lawyer fees. That's for damn sure. And you got, <laughs> you got the money and you got a lawyer as well at the same time. I got a, that's right. I got I got 12k cash. I know he owed 18, but hell, I at least use them for at least 30 to 40k in and <laughs> uh services, you know. And then after that, I was like, we're squared up. We're good. And so, you know, Kinda you like see the these whole... movies. This kind of reminds me of the story of the lawyer, Better Call Saul, uh, from Breaking Bad. He was also he was also in his own personal show afterwards, which was the spin-off. But he was the type of a lawyer who was doing all sorts of businesses on the side of his actual law <laughs> practicing. You know. I never watched that, man. People talk about that show all the time, and I've never watched it. I don't watch a whole lot of TV, but yeah, I'll have to check that one out then. Sounds pretty good. It definitely takes a while for people to open up and start talking about their past in the same way you are doing it right now. So I kind of wonder how long did it take for you to acknowledge what happened and be open about it? Uh, when the statute of limitations ran out. <laughs> Uh, you know what that is, right? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just kidding. But kind of true. That's kind of true, though. But hey, man, they're just, there's, there's stories. There's nothing. Nobody's getting hurt in these stories or nothing like that, you know. And I mean, you know, I don't know. That's just, I didn't, I don't mind talking about. It. I mean, I've had to keep my mouth shut for so damn long that it's kind of fun to like, you know, talk about some of the stories, some of the, some of the stuff I lived in stuff i don't know I, i never could really talk about it while it was going on you know what i mean it's not like i could tell anybody and I, and i like to chop it up and talk so 
but there's definitely a possibility of you having a book out at some stage. Is that possible? I was approached uh, at um, actually my university a couple of years ago, and uh, they were interested in a couple of the instructors that kind of knew my life a little bit. I've got good grades in their class and all that. They were some they were basically uh, criminology instructors and they were really and sociologists. And so they had approached me with a, with um I guess an author. But uh I I'm not right. I I just told them not right now, not at this time, but you know, that's something that I'm still it's the offer still there, but I need to have a lawyer with me and stuff and we need to have like a discussion with them and make sure we get all the dots and I's cro- uh T's T's crossed, I's uh dotted, stuff like that, but Right now, it's, it's on hold. Well, so. you still have the contact deal. Ah, <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. You still have the contact details to either his mom or or uh-huh. himself. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, I haven't that, that that man. That was a long time ago, man. I haven't seen that guy <laughs> in a while, man. I'm sure you don't want to see me either. But uh, you know, yeah, I'd probably have to hire one and pay this time. <laughs> Bookies out there run as any other business and they try to cut out losses as much as possible. So my question to you is, I wonder whether you were cutting some people off as well when they were winning too much or did you allow them to bet until well, you were hoping for them to slip at some stage? Have I cut off people because they were winning? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be. Listen, it's gonna take me one second to see if a guy's sharp. I'm gonna tell by his bets he's placing. You know, it ain't gonna take. I even if he's losing them, I don't care. I'm. I'm. Look, he ain't gonna lose them very long because I'm looking at his plays. You know, and I'm like, all right. I mean, a lot of the plays I'd be playing. <laughs> if I see a guy betting, if I'm on a bunch of plays and I see guys betting those same plays on the book, I would definitely be. My eyes would be open and ready to see what they're going to do because I'm not trying to – I mean, I, I, I've let guys – there's guys that I really respected and really, really trusted, I never would cut them off. I never would – I take their action always, you know. It's, it's when a new guy tries to come in with an account, you know, because – and then you start seeing stuff like that. Then I'm wondering. But, you know, like – You know, I got some guys that are, I had some guys that were real sharp, you know what I'm saying? And I'm not going to cut them off just because they're sharp. I take their action. There's enough losers to make money. Not to mention, I get to see what they're betting. I can play those plays myself, you know what I mean? So it's not always the smartest thing just to cut a sharp guy off, you know what I mean? And you can always lay the money off anyways. You get, there's always a book that will take some action or split it with you. That's not a problem, you know what I mean? So... I don't know. So if they're well-respected guys, I'm not going to cut them off, you know, because I don't like that. I hate that when people do that to me. So that's that's pretty much how I handled it, you know. And as far as the whole operations go, you do have to collect money from people and so on. And you told me. Also, rumor has it you have a dog who was collecting money for you at some stage as well. This is towards, of course, the later years. You know, he's old now, but he, I used to take him with me, and uh, 
it was a man. It was the easiest time collecting money from anything with him. He just <laughs> he didn't have to do nothing. He's he's a big Doberman man. Looks mean as hell. He I mean I I did train him. I trained him uh trained him every day for a year. To um I just started. My grandfather actually trained uh, guard dogs for the air for the Air Force as well. So I know how to train dogs. So I trained him to you know sit, speak, shake, all that, and then. Then I started working with them on um, perimeter training, just wa- walking around the house and the yard, but never leaving it. And then from there, you know, you get them to latch onto a toy and then you start praising them. You, yeah, you don't let anybody else pet them except family members. So there's not one friend of mine or anybody outside my house that ever pet my dog. Never. He won't let anybody pet him. Now he's trained where like anybody puts their hand out to pet him. He's not going to let you. He's going to back off or he's not going to bite you, but. He will if you keep trying to reach at him, you know. And uh, so basically, yeah, and then I just train them how to attack. And you basically start when, they, when, they, when they're playing with their toys, you know, and they start, you know, latching on to things. That's when you start rewarding them. And then, you know, you start, you start getting them. That, that, the whole part about fetch, then that turns into an attack. It, it goes from playing fetch into an attack. It takes a long time, but they get it. Not all dogs can do it, but he's just really smart. He just, uh, he made me look good. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I did train him, but he's just so smart. He always knew what I wanted. He could just tell. He's just a he's great dog. Really good dog. But yeah, so, you know, I'll go collect with him. I just have to, I just tell him to sit right here, Rock. And then I say, watch him. And he'll watch, he'll watch the guy wherever he goes. He won't <laughs> let him out of his sight. He tries to go this way, that way. And if I say, get him. That's a wrap, but I never had to because everybody was just like, "All right, I got the money. Hold on," <laughs> you know. Because I mean, you know, it's just to me using a dog. You know, a lot of guys, violence and uh, and uh, stuff like that. That's just bad for business, man. You got you go over someone's house with a pistol. Yeah, everybody's scared. You know, it's just it, it's bad business. Mm. So I I I I used my dog, man, and it was just you know, to me it was just a better way of going about doing things, you know. Because believe it or not, people see a dog, they're like, especially a big Doberman. I mean, they're like, oh, sh- oh shit. All right, hold on, man. I'll be right back. You know, it was, it was just, just, I don't know. That was my little way. I was being innovative. You know, everybody else is doing all these other things, man. And I'm like, man, I, I saw how it didn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. So I thought, man, I bet you if I use my dog for these instances, things would go much smoother. And they did. That's for sure. I was also wondering the other day, where does your nickname come from originally? The Butcher. Man, ah, that was a long, long, man, I've had that nickname a long time, man. It really, for one, we had, I'm not a butcher, my grandfather's not a butcher, but we had an interest in a butcher shop. So it was up in, uh, up in the Midwest. And then, uh, my buddies and stuff would just, as when I was a kid, they just, you know, I'd be out there and they'd come pick me up and we go, you know, whatever, out chilling or whatever. And so I just got known to be as the butcher. And later on, it kind of became, you know, there was a while there where I hit all these, I hit some pretty big bets. I was on a real nice string. And uh, then people started calling me the butcher because I was slicing up bookies and, and that's how it ended up. Now it's just stuck. I mean, people call me Butcher. They call me by the name. I go anywhere. They're a Butcher. <laughs> hey, Butcher. Popular guy now. It's pretty crazy. 
pretty crazy, man. It's pretty oh. crazy. That's how I got it, though. Both in the community and outside of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. It's pretty. It's pretty wild, man. And so, uh, from my understanding, you used to be a bar owner as well. Yeah. Uh, well. Uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. I guess I was a, a silent partner at a bar, and uh, that was when. Uh, that was back when a lot of um, sports books. That was the place. You know, if you wanted to place your bets, you go to the bar. You know what I mean? That's how it was before computers. You know what I'm saying? So, at least for me, it was. So. Yeah, I was silent partner in this bar, and yeah, I got a story about that bar I could tell you, man. Wow, that this is actually the last day I was ever at this bar, to be honest with you. And uh, we were because uh, it was a bar, you know, so people coming in at night drinking, and man, this and our damn bouncer called in sick. I just I'll never forget this night as long as I live, man. And. Uh, so I'm out by the door. I'm checking IDs. I hate doing that shit, right? Just, I just hate being out, out at the front of the door. I'm checking IDs or whatever, and everything's going smooth. And I remember it was around Christmas. It was around this time of year, too, because I remember we had a Christmas tree in there with uh, gifts for, like, kids and stuff. We were, I don't know, I can't remember, some kind of program where give ki uh, gifts to kids during Christmas that needed them. And... um this guy come this guy comes in him and his brothers brothers on some kind of drug i don't know what but he's geeking and uh so whatever but they're in there and they're drinking the next thing you know man this guy's like got his arm around one of our waitresses and is like licking her cheek <laughs> i'm like i'm like what the and she's like look at i'm like all right so i get this i actually i choke this guy out and i drag him out the bar and I throw him out, right? He kind of hit his head on the concrete a little bit, but he ain't bleeding. He's all right. And uh, his brother was already out there, so, you know, he was out cold. I'm sure he woke up in a little bit, though. But So, all of a sudden, they come back in swinging, like, with, like, six, seven guys, man, just swinging on me, dude. I'm by myself until my friends came back to help me, right? But, I mean, it was wild, right? Luckily, I didn't get hurt, you know? I was able to fight him off a little bit. And then my buddies came and helped me and uh, got him out of the bar, right? Man, about, I don't know, five minutes later, we just started, we hear gunfire spraying. I mean, I'm talking like probably at least four or five different guns, right? Just spraying bullets all through the bar, man. I, I just remember, I, I, I was like, oh, shit. I heard them all coming. They were getting closer. I ran. I jumped behind the damn bar. And uh, they didn't. They didn't come in. They sprayed it up, though. They sprayed it up, and nobody got shot. So they, they sure weren't good with their gun. That's for sure, because nobody got hit. But uh, they ended up as they were taking off. They ended up getting in a car accident, and they all died. How? <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, they all died. They got. They were after right after they did that. They took off. They got down about a half a mile down the road. And they got smashed by another car, and all four, there was four of them, they all four died. Wow. Like 10 minutes after that. Yeah, talk about karma. Oh, karma, indeed. Yeah, so that's my little story. That was the last night I was ever at that bar. I decided that I didn't want no part of that. We're going to have to go move to a different location. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, man, that was a hell of a night, man. I. I got so many. I got nights that were way, 
uh, way more close than that. But I'll leave that story at that one right there. That was a pretty crazy story, you know, because when you can't see where the shots are coming from, that's scary. You know what I mean? Because if you can see a guy and see where he's at, that's different than just hearing it randomly and then hitting through all the windows of the bar. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you got people in there, anybody. I mean, I'm surprised nobody got shot. I can't, I can't believe not one person got hit. But thank God. Bar, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. And then look what happened. Like getaway drivers so jacked up they get smashed and they all end up dead i mean honestly i they had it coming i mean my god look what they did sadly just like most stories there's a lot of ups and there's a lot of downs well as your your case sadly you had to go into prison so can you tell us of your general memories from that event as i'm aware even behind bars you were still very much involved in sports okay let me tell you so first let me tell you when when it happened i remember right because i was uh i was i just got out the shower and i was outside it was february i think or january and i was restringing some uh, sweatpants right yeah i was outside and like i heard they, it was the ATF. I heard them in the feds. This is just one time. This, this, they, they busted in my house about three times in a two-month period. But anyways, so I was standing out, and I heard it, right? But all I had was my cell phone. I was in some uh, sandals, no shirt, and my I was trying to restring my sweatpants, right? Because that string had came out of it. So they were, like, falling down. Dude. I got away. I actually got away. I ran. I, I was like hurtling fences. They thought I went straight back. I went sideways, right? I got away from like 12 federal agents, and I'm not even bullshitting. My wife is my witness. <laughs> and uh, so what I did was I, so I basically, I got away, right? And uh, 10 days later, they caught me in a hotel room. They kicked in the door to the hotel room when I was sitting in there watching TV, and I couldn't get away that time, you know. So now, basically, I'm on my way to prison, right? So when I get to prison, I mean, well, you know, prison is prison ain't fun, I'll tell you that. But it ain't like the movies either, you know what I'm saying? But uh, I did pre- – I could, I could tell you the story about how while I was in prison – I used Z code. I actually was locked up with a NFL wide receiver. His name was Sam Hurd. Played for the Dallas Cowboys and the Bears. But if you would remember, when he went to Chicago, he got uh, he got popped with a bunch of uh, cocaine. Mm-hmm. He was trying to slang cocaine in Chicago. Can you believe that? An NFL player. He signed a big deal. He signed a big contract with the Bears. Like he got 15 million guaranteed. So he had that money already. And uh, he signed that big contract. Next thing you know, he's he got popped for selling drugs. His name's Sam Hurd. He could they can go you can Google him. You'll see the story. And uh <clears throat> so, anyways, I actually run into this guy, right? And uh we started uh we started opening up uh he was taking bets there as a bookie. Big dude, man, too. He was a big guy, he's about six five super athletic i mean he's a pro he's a pro sports athlete these guys are on another level when you look at them you know they're just like fine tooth 
find a, they're like a fine machine, man. They just, but, um, so he's there and I run into him, you know, and I just start talking to him and I didn't tell him nothing about me, but I just start talking to him. Right. And I'm just picking his brain on yeah. information from a pro NFL player, you know, about, I would just ask him about different situations and, you know, like I learned a lot about betting on road teams from him, mm-hmm. you know, for real. Cause I, at that time before that, I never really was betting too much on road teams. I was, I was kind of betting like, but he, I was betting a lot of home dogs, you know, but he was like, he was telling me, listen, he was just giving me a really good inside look at how the NFL is. Uh, it was very interesting, man. He gave me a lot of insight, you know, and I, uh, there was there was like about four or five books in prison, sports books. You know, I'm talking like for real money, like you're mm-hmm. getting real money, but they're giving the money to your people outside. Mm-hmm. So, like, say I hit this big bet, I could either get it in commissary, right, or I could have them send the money to my wife. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So, sure, seriously. So I was sending my wife money while yeah. I was locked up. <laughs> And I'm talking about there's big action. This is not this is federal. This is a federal prison now. This isn't a state. These are where you're locked up with like well, I mean you're you're in there with gangsters, mobsters, you name it, man. They're in there. Okay, well, criminals. With, with Sam Hurd, who's he ended up getting a fifteen year sentence, didn't he? Yeah, fifteen yeah, he got a fifteen year sentence. Wow. Fifteen year sentence for that. And I was just in on a I mean, my, my, I was in, I was just in there for a few years, man. You know, I was a quick turnaround, got in, did my time, got out. Was, I basically, I went, I, I basically they just tried to put me in jail for, they tried to put me in prison just because I wouldn't tell all my friends more than likely. I mean, to me, because they couldn't really stick me with nothing other than, other than a, 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 a shotgun. That was it. So, so well, you were guys in the same cell or just no. in the same prison? Same saying. He was in another. He was in another housing unit, but uh, in a federal prison, you're able to move around a lot. You know, it's uh, you know, they'll um, they unlock. I mean, you have some times when you're on lockdown and stuff, but a lot of times you're able to move around, go to the rec yard, stuff like that. So, you know, that's where I would I would talk to him or when we were uh, in the chow hall mm-hmm. eating. You know, you know, I I. I mean, I wasn't, I couldn't really sit with him right there just because of the rules of prison, you know, he kind of, but, you know, I say, hey, man, I'm going to sit here and talk to you. Is that cool? Because, you know, and he's like, yeah, yeah, man, sit down. So then I sit down and talk to him, you know, because federal prison's kind of like a, it's uh, kind of like a segregated, you know, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But, but I mean, it's not like that. It's just, you just, you know, where you eat, it's like yeah, everybody has their own little table where they go eat, you know? So if you go pop up at someone else's table and just sit down, people are going to be like, hey, you might get shanked. So you got to ask for permission. Hey, I was like, hey, can I sit right here? He's like, yeah, man, sit here. So we we would talk about once in a while, like once a week, I'd sit with him and eat lunch and we'd talk about, you know, sports betting and stuff. And he was a, he was taking a lot of bets, you know, because he had the money to to pay. And so I started helping him out too. You know, we we kind of teamed up and, I was giving him, I told him, look, man, this, I've been, I've done this my whole life, man. I know what I'm doing. I said, I can help you out, dude. I can help you out. I can tighten, I can tighten it up for you and make sure that you get maximum profit from your action. And, you know, cause he had some guy taking bets, right? And I said, Hey, can I get a hockey play in? <laughs> and, you know, it's a money line play, but so what these guys were doing, Jake, this is how I, this is how I made so much money. 
So yeah, 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 we do hockey. So, so instead of putting the money line, they would see like a, a plus three hundred money line, and, and give me the give me give me three points. Give me three, give me three points on a hockey game. So I would take all the dogs, the plus three hundred dog money lines, plus two fifty dog money lines, and they give me plus two and a half points, <laughs> plus two and a half goals. Wow. I never lost. It's hard to lose it. I never lost one hockey, one hockey <laughs> bet. They stopped doing it. Wow. They stopped doing it. Yeah. So they, they thought they were slick and they had nothing. They didn't know nothing about hockey there, you know, because it's not, it's just, you know, these guys never, never played hockey in their life. They don't know about it, <laughs> but that was a good lick right there. Man, but yeah, so I, I really... think he might still be in there. One thing that's crazy to me is how bookmakers predict sports these days, especially American sports, and the predictability of those spreads that they put out are crazy because it's almost like they predict the matches themselves. They know the result before it even happens. Yeah, man. I mean, and I, I mean, like as far as in prison running the book, you know, we had access to information, you know, but um. I mean, they're right on the money. I mean, I come out with my own lines, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I, I put in the legwork and, and come up with my line, and I'll compare it to the bookmaker's line, you know? But see, in prison, you don't have all that information that, to come up with your own line, you know what I mean? Yeah, but, but uh, yeah, they're really close. And almost every line I do is almost really close. But sometimes I, I have my line comes out a little where I get maybe two, three points of value on a basketball game, you know? Like yesterday with... Oklahoma, I had, uh, I did their line and I had Oklahoma as like a four point favorite and, uh, they, I got them at a pick them. See, the book was off there. See when the, when the bookie makes a mistake, when the, when the, when they come out with a line like that, that, that line was wrong to me, that line was wrong. I, and I'll just use Oklahoma. because yesterday when I bet it, I, I had it, I saw it on the book as a pick them. I had Oklahoma as a, a four point favorite. And so that's four points. Based on your statistics, statistical analysis, yeah. is that I'm sure you're yeah, I mean, well, of... just he kind of used I use some power rankings and then some uh, simple math. And I got a I got a I got a cousin that helps me out. And my uncle, too. I got an uncle, too. And we kind of all get together and we do our own little lines. And, you know, they usually are right with the books at. But once in a while, man, There's some some of them are way off for us, and that's when that's when I like to bet them. You know, I'll bet them overnight before the line moves. Then the line did move to minus two by game time. So I, so I, I mean, I beat the closing line by two points. I mean, that's pretty good for college basketball game. But it's all about beating the closing line, Jake. Right? I mean, you know that. Yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, if you if you're not gonna beat the closing line, you almost got no hope. To, to, in my opinion, now. Maybe you'd be able to tweak some things here and there, but to me, beating the closing line is, in my opinion, the most important thing there is in sports betting. That's just my opinion. Me can read the, I know you can read the public percentage and, you know, you can look at line moves at all, but I want to be the guy creating the line move. See, that's what I, I want to do. I don't want to have to react to some other guy. I want to be the dude who moved the line or at least had a hand in it. And so, betting on those overnight lines for basketball and stuff and beating the closing number. That's, that's what that is. Basically. I mean, would, would you agree? 
you know, one thing about doing the podcast is that generally you get to talk to people who are the ones watching the lines, the movement, thanks to the Zico tool, line reversal, you can see what's happening with the market. But it's not a very common opportunity to talk to someone who is responsible for moving those lines. And, you know, these guys, they try to keep their secrets. They don't reveal too much and you don't get that information online in general. So it's a main reason behind it is that bookmakers have the same information that we do and above. So the guys who are obviously winning, they don't want to reveal their tactics and they want to stay low. Yeah. And like, exactly. And that's the thing, Jake is like, when you got a guy who's constantly beating the closing line, he's not going to, he's not going to share that very often because, you know, if he does, then his edge could get taken, you know, and it's all about the edge, right? I mean, you want to get an edge, you need, you're obviously, you need to find the edge on the sports book because they already got theirs baked in at minus 110 or more, right? So it's all about finding that mistake where they make a mistake and then just, you're not reacting to anybody. You're not watching any line moves at all because there are none yet. <laughs> you want to be the guy who's trying to make that line move, right? Beat the closing number, you know? Yeah. I mean, sometimes, sometimes you don't. Sometimes, sometimes the line moves the other way, but that's just part of the game, you know? But for the majority, for the most part, it's just about doing that work and uh, trying to beat that closing number or you're the reason why the closing number moved. To me, that's the most important thing. I'm not saying I moved the closing number. I know I have before. I can tell you that right now. I have moved it before. I'm not saying I move it all the time. It's not like I'm, what's his name, Billy Walters or some shit. I'm not. I'm just the guy here betting on sports. But there's been a few times where I know I made it move because after I bet it, they moved it. Right there, right then and there, you know. Billy Waters had a winning streak of thirty years, was it? Something like that. Something ridiculous. Yeah, I don't know. Never lost a bet, or (laughs) I I listen. If if somebody's saying that guy never lost a bet, I'm saying that's folklore. (laughs) I don't believe it. I bet you. I bet you he hit about sixty percent, which is awesome. Mm. But uh, somebody tells me Billy Walters didn't lose a bet for thirty years. I just ain't buying it. <laughs> yeah. no, just, that's just me. Frankly, we could spend hours talking about all of the stories, but just to wrap this up, I know we've jumped from one topic to another, but there is also one story where you said you incorporated Z code into your time in prison. Jake, we probably could. I'll tell you what, let me tell you one thing. I had to incorporate Z code into one of my stories because I would be on the phone all the time getting a hold of uh, a family member telling her who's putting what on the wall. But what I did, you know, Dan, you know, Dan, right? Mm. That guy, the, that, the kid, Dan yeah. was Z code. Well, I, I, to me personally, I think that, that's, a, that kid is so sharp, but I used his eats me West while I was locked up in prison to make money because all I needed was a schedule. <laughs> so, so Z code, through Dan, helped me make money while I was in in in, in uh, prison. So, I mean, I gotta thank Z Code for that, right? That's, I just wanted to give Z Code a shout out for that because all I needed was a schedule, and I have somebody send me a schedule for hockey and uh, well, mostly basketball, and I would just follow the rules of that East Meets West 
progression. But anyways, yeah, Jake, thanks for having me on again, man. Thank you for listening to our Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.